Django, thank you for being on the show, man. This is cool. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I was thinking about all the drummers I've had on the show, man. I'm gonna it's nice to have you on the list now. I've had Morgan Rose from Seven Dust, Ray Lazier from Corn, and Robert Sweet from Striper. And I'll have awesome. Dango. Yes. Yeah, those dudes are all legends, so I'm glad to be on it. Man, you're a solid drummer, dude. I've been watching a lot of your stuff. It's really good. I like the style. I play drums too, but like I've been playing so long, but I should be better. But I, you know, I don't practice enough. <laughs> I you... feel the same, and I do it for a living. So, <laughs> do you practice? I get that struggle. <laughs> Not enough. I just I play every day, and I gig most of the year, and I'm teaching so much. I don't have a ton of time to sit and practice unless I'm learning new music, and I'm always learning new music for a gig. So. Not like I should, but every, you know, once in a while, I'll just sit down or I'll take some more lessons and just dive back in. So every time I get off a tour, I'm like, I need to go home and practice, actually. So usually during winter is when I get it in, when I'm not touring as much. Oh, right on, right on. Um, I had a couple of questions. Do you like the uh, electric kit? Do you ever play on that? Like, I'm I'm a little like... I'm, I'm not a big fan. They kind of suck, but some of the bars in Nashville have them now. There's four or five downtown that do. And so I'll have to play them sometimes on gigs and... Yeah, they just suck. There's no dynamics. Yes. They just don't have the same thing. I get they're trying to help a volume issue, but yeah, I'm definitely not a fan. Yeah, dude, I see a lot of tribute bands playing at bars and they have it. They're playing like along the 20 different tracks and they have the electric kit. Yeah. yeah. It's just too clean, you know? It is. In a small room, I get it makes it, but it does sound so fake. It's like, why don't you just play the CD if that's really what you want to hear if you don't want the live feel. Right on, man. So you've been in, uh, you know, I heard about you through Scott Stapp from Creed, which I want to talk about that because that's a huge gig. Uh, but you're in other stuff, you know, like Amber Pacific. Uh, I was looking at the videos today. I can't believe it seems like a lot of videos, man. It's really cool. Well, thanks. I um, like anybody that does it for a long time. You just try to keep going and stay at it. And so I've been playing with Scott for nine years and fortunate to go all over the world with him, South Africa was my first shows with him. I've been all over South America and then all over the U.S. several times with him. Um, but before that, yeah, my first band I was in was Amber Pacific. And right out of college, I joined them, uh, moved to Seattle to do that with, you know, a bunch of kids. Basically, we were just in our early 20s and traveled all over the country. And that was like living the dream at the time because I had to play on all the records. And in the day when we were growing and pop punk was so big, and this is, again, almost 20 years ago, it was like, um, you know, having your songs on, on the radio and on MPD. We had videos back when that was still a thing. And our, you know, our shirts were in stores and you could go into a mall and hear your song or a TV show or movie soundtrack. So that was just, that was a really cool era of my life. And so those are some of my best friends. We'll always still play a few shows a year and still, we might put out a new record this next year for the, the oh, cool. Pacific fans. But all those dudes have families and kids now and they all, you know, they don't want to tour full time. So when that came to an end, that's when I decided to move back to Nashville and start playing for different artists, country, rock, pop, Christian, and just trying to make a living. So, that, yeah, I really had a chance to play for a ton of different people, which has been cool. Yeah, man. I saw that you were playing with um, with an artist named Kurt. Um, how's he, how do you yeah. pronounce his last name? His last name is Dimer, and I'm on the Dimer. road with him right now. New guy, new rock guy. And we are just finishing a tour with Mushroom Head right now, but we oh. just finished a tour with Buck Cherry and Skid Row last <laughs> month. So we've been on the road almost two months straight. And so today, for example, we are in Cincinnati 
was sitting next to our bus right here. Mm. And nice. I played this a, a few times with Scott before. But yeah, it's been a great tour. And with Kurt, I've been with him two years and the dates have worked out where I've been able to do Scott and still play with him and that really and conflicted too much. So that's been awesome because we've done a bunch of dates opening for Tesla and several other bands. So it's just mm. straight ahead rock, but it's fun to it's fun to have another gig and to be working and be busy. Does um do you guys still have Phil Phil X in the band? We do not. And yeah, he was he did it for I want to say just over a year that I was out here, maybe a year and a half, or so, and then he has not been out for this tour. So this is the first tour we've had the total lineup change. So, but still really close with Phil, and he was it was like a huge honor to play with him because he's a legend. Yes. Yeah, dude. I was watching Hired Gun, the documentary. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, he's yeah. in it. I was just For waiting sure. to see you in it. I was like, you got to be in it no. somewhere, right? <laughs> no, the dudes in that are like the A-list guys for sure. Right. Do you have a manager that helps you or do you have to do you just, you know, book gigs no, on your own? It's totally. I mean, this industry is really who you know, who you meet, who will vouch for you. Because like I always tell guys, coming in, there's always a zillion players better, but you got to get out there and do it. You got to be a pro. You got to do the gig and people know they can live with you on the bus and hopefully get along with you. You know, my, one of my biggest strengths is that I can play the show the same just about every night. I'm not perfect at all, but I rarely mess up in the show. I'm never going to blow you away with like a crazy drum solo, but I can learn <laughs> songs and I can play them short notice and I can show up even if you call me and stand you tomorrow. Like that's what I do. That's my strength. So that's why I keep working, but no, there's, I don't know many guys who actually have a manager if they're just a, you know, a side guy or a hired gun, for example. Right. Save your money. They're out there, but definitely not at my level. Yeah. <laughs> so life on the road now is, is probably way different from the, uh, back in the day. Right. I mean, everybody's like has families and stuff. I mean, did it ever get out of control back in the day? I've been fortunate to be in pretty family oriented groups in general, but yeah, it's like most guys either have kids or spouses or families and nothing too crazy. I mean, you see a lot of partying, but I'm, I've been fortunate to never really be on a bus with people who are like doing cocaine and, mm. you know, making terrible life decisions or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's always going to be partying, um, but that's just everybody's choice, what you want to do. And for me, I've just always said, yeah, I don't want to drink. I don't want to do drugs. So I've always chose to steer clear of it. And I think it's a good business move for me because yeah. it just helps me make good decisions on the road. It's probably way easier on the road too. Cause you're not you know, hung over and, to do with that yeah for sure and you know this is a silly question but uh all the videos i've seen of you you never have hair did, have you ever have you always been bald like did you have hair in high school pretty i did and then um i looked so young when i was like 22 23 24 so in college i started shaving my head just to look older on the road because mm -hmm. people thought i was 16 17 so then i just stuck with the bald look and it was easy to remember yeah the drummer dango with the bald you know <laughs> And I had the time, you know, having tattoos, having the sleeves before I've had mine maybe 15 years, a little longer. So before everybody had sleeves. So it, mm, it stood man. out a little in that era as well. It's super cool. You should uh, get like some tattoos, like head tattoos. You know what I mean? Like get some. Uh, That's too hard. Amber Pacific, yeah. you know, on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Uh, yeah, I'm just playing, man. Uh, I was watching all these Scott staff videos and I saw that you guys did like a COVID thing for trying to remember what it was for child child fun uh covid yeah. show or was like streaming that was awesome 
do you get nervous playing on doing streaming? Because I know, like playing uh, shows, you're probably used to. But it, are you comfortable doing that with cameras on you? Yeah, it's it's really just all the same as playing a live show. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. It's got to be as close as you can. But people want to hear authentic. I mean, it's almost like in an era when everything is so perfect and so we're so used to watching internet videos, especially of drummers, where it's all quantized, which means they've made it perfect. They've dialed the timing perfect. They've done a hundred takes. So people aren't even used to hearing real music anymore. So I would say whether you're live streaming or playing a live show, I think that's the element that's live music. And that's what people really don't realize they miss because they don't want, we think we want this perfect polished thing, but it's not a sport. Like music should be, it should have some movement. It should have some soul in it. So, you know, if you went to see the Rolling Stones, it's going to be a real show. It's not going to be just all programmed and all tracks and all dancers and all. So I kind of look at it that way and say there should be a live element. So, no, I don't, for whatever reason, I don't get nervous playing the drums. I mean, I've just been doing it so long. You could you could put me in front of 50,000 people and I'll play the same way. Hopefully, really? as I do in a room with 50. I try. I mean, yeah, yeah you have awesome. more energy in a big setting. But as far as the nerves, it's not really a problem for me. So so I've played drums for a while and I've, I used to play at church and I have over over the years I've had stories where like you know I one time my pants ripped on stage have you ever had any like embarrassing stories playing drums Yeah oh for sure tons and thankfully not at church to be honest that I can remember <laughs> I've, had a, I've had a drum shield fall down I mean it wasn't on video oh, but I that's had, my that, biggest that fear yeah. <laughs> Oh it, um, it wasn't live that, though It was at church but I don't think it was on video which is cuz it was oh. kind of before that era <laughs> Um, one of my scariest moments was on the Warp Tour back in the day with Amber Pacific. And at the end of the set, I would stand up on the last song and do the big ending and come down and crash. And, you know, the stage was pretty high. And then I was on the drum riser and I came down and my drum seat broke. And I thought it had fallen off the riser, but it actually, I sat down on it and it snapped off. Ooh. And so I found myself falling backwards and I fell off the drum riser and off the back of the stage. And it wasn't crazy, but it was probably... I mean, eight or 10 feet, enough that you could definitely get, you know, at my age now, it would have definitely hurt, but I was 25 or whatever. And I was really mad when it happened. Like, instead of being surprised, I was just like angry that I thought somebody pulled my throne away and there was nobody oh. even around me. And so I was so embarrassed and I jumped back on stage halfway through the song and I just finished the song standing up. But I remember it being like the most uncomfortable moment on stage that I'd ever had for sure. Yeah, and if yeah. I sat and thought about it, there's probably like five or ten, you know, weird things that have happened. But that was definitely the worst that I can remember. Yeah, I think the older I get and where most people get, they're scared of falling. <laughs> it's Falling when yeah. you get older sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and people don't get one thing like in my profession, a lot of musicians are like this. I mean, you got a lot of just tough guys who are going to ride Harley and, you know, go skydiving. I like don't do anything. <laughs> I won't ski anymore. I won't wakeboard. I won't like, I won't do anything. I don't even get on a motorcycle. So I'm like, if I fall and break an arm or like I'm out of work for a month or a year and I've got a family to take care of. So for me, it's, I'm just very careful about what I do as far as physical stuff. That is like the perfect, uh, when you get life insurance, that's exactly what they want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> right. I am lame and boring. Yeah. They're like, we'll sign you I'll up. Play rock and roll, but also I'm super boring. <laughs> How did you get? Uh, how'd you get in touch with Scott from Creek? Man, uh, yeah, just one of those who you know scenarios because I was playing on a country gig, and I live in Nashville. And the bass player at the time—I mean, he's still a bass player—but Sammy lived in Nashville, 
and we were playing on adventure gigs together on a showcase. And this kind of stuff happens all the time where you play with somebody just for a weekend. We only played one time and we got talking and he's like, oh yeah, I played for Scott. And I was asking him, you know, about his past and he'd played in the band Everclear for a long time. And so he, uh, you know, it's just like, well, cool. If you ever need somebody, let me know. And that 10 out of 10 times never happens. Like you never get the call from just saying if you need some. Well, six months later, I was on the road with this band Fireflight and said, hey, we need a guy right now. Can you come do it? Um, our drummer just got hurt and we're going to South Africa. And I said, man, I am headed tomorrow to Europe with the band Fireflight. They were a Christian rock band that was doing well at the time. And I just said, I can't, I can't leave them hanging. But if you can, he's like, well, it's in 10 days. And I was like, oh, perfect. I'll be back. So I got to go play Norway, Finland and go to England and then I was there, I was working on the music, and then when I got back, I went right into rehearsals with Scott. I hadn't met Scott, I hadn't met anybody else in the band, and lots of times they make you play, show a video, or audition, but a lot of times it's not even audition, they just they just call you, and if somebody vouches for you, they'll take you. But when Scott's wife called me, and said, well, we haven't heard you play, but we know you played in the band Red, and I toured with the band Red before that, and they're a real heavy rock band, and so he said, well, Scott's a fan of Red, so he knows he'll be able to play the creed stuff so so yeah that was 2015 i went in and did that and i've been there ever since so when when you get that kind of call and, and you're on tour are you listening to his music on your headphones are you like practicing yeah. along can you do that i'm like, listening yeah. and and i usually chart and that's I went to college for music and so i learned to read as well as chart it's something i teach all my drum students or try to when they get to that level because one of the skills you really need is to learn quickly and and let's say lots of times I have to get on stage with an artist and play a five or ten song set without rehearsing. So I've got to be able to chart and read it on the fly. So when, when I'm learning for a gig like Scott, it was like 30 songs. So I listened, but I made charts of everything. And then over that 10 days, you just try to memorize the best you can, which that's plenty of time. It's tough if you got to do it in a day, but sometimes you do that. So I chart everything. And by charting, that also helps me memorize when I start practicing. And then when I showed up to rehearsal, we had rehearsals and I, you know, I was ready by that point. I knew all the songs. Oh, that's great. When, um, when you were younger, when did you start? Did you take drum lessons as a kid? I did, not really till high school. Um, I grew up playing in church. I'm a pastor's kid. And so kind of middle school was my start into it. And then middle and high school, I was like in school concert band, pet band and that kind of stuff. And I played in a rock band that, and you know, with my buddies in high school, but really playing in church was my most, like my most active musical experience because I was doing it every weekend from seventh grade till I graduated. And we were doing up to four services a weekend, so I had a lot of repetition and a lot of time playing in front of people, playing with older guys who were all better musicians than me. So that was the biggest thing. And then, yeah, I would say maybe sophomore year of high school I started drum lessons. So later than I would have liked to, but I was always into sports and. So music was kind of second, but then I really got serious when I went to college when I was 18, 19, right when I graduated and moved to Nashville, went to a music school there and got my bachelor's wow. in drumming. And that's when, that's really when I like the focus shifted of I'm doing this seriously. My drum teacher is a guy named Chester Thompson and he was in Genesis for and Phil Collins for 30 years. He was oh, his drummer. Amazing. Yeah. And he, he was in Weather Report on one of their big albums. They played for Frank Zappa and just... He's just this iconic drum um, drummer and mentor and teacher in Nashville. So studying with him was really, I think, what I credit a lot of my getting me seriously focused to like 
let's talk about a career in this. Mm -hmm. How do, um, do you still take new students on or do you just have a group? Uh, like how would somebody oh, yeah. sign up? Yeah. Um, I get hit up pretty regularly on Instagram and Facebook. Oh, okay. and I probably, and it's not even like I have a crazy schedule and I'm, I mean, I work a ton, but teaching wise when I'm home, I maybe have 10 students a week and that number could fluctuate, you know, eight to 15 students roughly. But on any given week, I usually teach about 10 when I'm off the road. And so, for example, I've been going two months right now. I get home Sunday, probably Tuesday, I'll start up again and I'll teach Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and knock out all those students. So, yeah, anybody who wants to take lessons that I can teach, I do them over FaceTime and Skype and some in person. But nowadays, most people prefer online because then parents don't have to leave the house and they can oh, just, yeah. you know, kids, kids don't mind the technology. Like it's harder for people like me in their 40s to go, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I can do this FaceTime thing. Right, right. But kids like, kids are fine with it so it works pretty well man you sound so busy like multitasking you got like so much going on do you ever get like burned out or you just need a <laughs> vacation yeah but yes and i do i definitely work workaholic at home like touring is is chill because you only play once a day and it's like relaxing comparatively and, and touring is exhausting but compared to my home life when i'm home i'll teach those three or four days a week and I'll play gigs in Nashville on Broadway in the honky tonk bars. And I'll do three, four, five nights in a week if I can. And then I've got a studio as well. So if people send me tracks like next week, I'll also be doing remote drum sessions for people. And I just look at it, especially since the pandemic, I'm super thankful to be working. And so I really have to have my wife and my parents remind me like, hey, you should take a day off. And I'm, it's so hard. And everybody in the self-employed world gets it. Like, it's so hard to say no. If people want you to do something, you're like, well, I got to take it. What if next week nobody calls? What if there's all the gigs dry up and there's no lessons and I get fired from every road gig? Like you just never know. <laughs> and so my philosophy is keep going. But yes, I do really try to try to take a day off a week if I can. And um, just got married this year and have four stepkids now, which I'm super wow. excited about. So Congratulations. I need to totally change my, thank you, my home schedule to try to be like available for the kids, especially. So that's, that's really shifted my focus over the last couple of months to when I'm home to go, all right, if I'm home, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to work all the time. So check back with me on that in six months. I'll let you know how that's going. <laughs> right. Do your kids think you're cool or, or do they want to be musicians? You know, none of them are musicians at this point. And I've been in their life a couple of years. I don't know about the cool factor. Actually, they, um, when we were on the Buck Cherry tour, they came to the show and my wife has seen me play with Scott and with Kurt and with a few other artists, and she brought the kids. They'd never seen me play anywhere except our church, and so I think it was a different element for them to go, oh, our stepdad's playing, and it was a theater, and we had a couple thousand people. Like It was a really fun show to see, and I think they were a little more in awe of, like, oh, I guess he really does do this. So I don't know what the kids think, but I'll, you know, I want to ask them in a few years if they yeah. think I'm cool or not. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a, you know, you've been touring for so long. Do you have a favorite artist you like to tour with? Or do you have someone that, like, bucket list, like, if I could go on the road or play with this with this artist? Oh, man, good question, yeah. I mean, I think the Foo Fighters were always, like, one of the green bands for oh, me. Yeah. If you could sit and play a show, you know, people always ask who would be on your list. Tom Petty was always on my list of bands I would have loved to play the show with. Um, oh, it's amazing. My favorite punk bands are... MXPX and No Effects, and 
and I've had the chance to actually sit in and play drums with both of them. So oh, wow, they were always on my dream list as well. But that's a really good question. I think right now I would probably say the Foo Fighters of like remaining active bands that are still out there doing it. Yeah, it's so cool. What Josh Josh Free's got that 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 spot. It's amazing. Everlong, he is literally my favorite guy. So to see him do it was exciting. Like he's the reason I wanted to play DW's drums and pipes and cymbals when I was in high school reading the drum magazines and Josh was playing for all these different people. Like he was him and Abe Jr. from Paul McCartney's band. Those were like the mm-hmm. two guys that I thought those are those are the dudes I want to emulate as far as trying to get to their drums and their cymbals and that whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Have you got the chance to meet him before? Uh, Josh? I have. I've met them both. Uh, yeah, they're both super cool and very friendly. And um, at the NAM show where they, you know, have all the music here, I've gotten to meet them. And now that I do endorse those companies, I've gotten to go to a lot of, you know, kind of after parties and stuff. And so then you sometimes get to meet your heroes at a thing because you play the same drumstick or cymbal or drum head or whatever. So that's a neat thing too. As long, you know, the longer I've done it, who I've gotten to connect with. Yeah, that, yep, that's really cool, man. Um, I remember I was talking to you earlier about er, early Christian bands that I used to listen to, and I, I noticed you played with Super Chick. I used to love them back in the day. Yeah, were you were you uh, yeah. on their albums or were you touring with them? No, no, I toured with them later. Same with Firefly. Same with Red. I toured with all of them, but I was not on any of their albums. But I grew up on Christian rock, and like I was in the era of listening to DC Talk and Early oh, News Boys and. Audio Adrenaline and Pray for Rain became PFR, but hmm. those are the bands in that era that, I mean, I'd still say DC Talk and The Freak Show, Welcome to The Freak Show and the Jesus Freak album, I would still say are like some of the best things that have ever come out in Christian music. Absolutely. I, I had Kevin Max on the show. He was here. He's very cool dude. He oh, lives cool. in Nashville, That's, right? Yeah, yeah, they all do. And I've gotten to meet all of them and like tell them all like, hey, you guys were all heroes of mine. And that reminds me, actually, when you're talking about bands, Switchfoot's been like one of my longtime bands I really looked up to. And like if I could, you know, do a tour with them or play, I've been on the bill with them several times. But like if I could sit in and play a show with them, that would be another one that would be a huge one for me. Yeah, I, I love Switchfoot. I love the, the singer does a lot of his solo stuff, I think, too. Um, I can't, John, I can't think of his last name. But very Foreman, cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, what, do you ever think about doing like a solo gig where you just have like Travis Barker or you just have your own people on your own album, you know? Is that too crazy? I don't know. I'm just not that like, you got to be a pretty prolific, like over the top, really, really good at what you do drummer if you're going to sell that as a drum thing or just have a huge name. So you got a huge name. Know, it would be fun to Your name that. sounds big, dude. Like it sounds like you're sounds already big, right? I mean, you're, you're big, but your name is huge. Though. And like my musical tastes are always changing and what I listen to. And now I play so much country and rock. I've always done worship, but it's just hard to say, like, what would I even do stylistically if I were just trying to do my own thing? Mm-hmm. Um, you were also in Sonic Flood, too, which I mean, some of the yeah. songs we, every church has played like it's like universal. Everybody knows it. Yeah. And again, I wish I wish I was original with them because they came out like right when I was finishing high school. Oh, but I've okay. probably been in that band for maybe eight years now. So I've played with them a while, but we don't do a ton, but we'll go out and do some big festivals or like some big churches. And so we kind of do a couple shows a year and the guys are amazing, but no, I wasn't, I was not around for their heyday. 
when you talked about MXPX and all these different punk bands, do you ever just listen to them on the road? Just pull out old stuff and. Oh yeah, that's my especially favorite. that's like great workout music. And MXPX just put out a new record like in the last month, so I've been listening to that. And then Blink One Eight Two just put out a new album, so I've been listening to that as well. And Rise Against is another one like for my era four tour that I always loved Rise Against, so I listen to them as well. And Goldfinger. Like they've put out recent stuff and now the singer MXPX Mike, that singer plays bass and Goldfinger as well. So it's cool to see him and two bands that I love as well. How did you did you have somebody older when you were a kid that got you into punk music? I mean, like how did you discover punk rock? That is a great question. I don't know what first did it for me because I was in high school and I discovered it because I'd already been listening to just Christian rock essentially. And then I don't, that's a great question. I don't even know who first showed me MXPX, but I remember thinking the drums were so fast and I thought, how is this possible to play this fast? So I spent a couple of years really working on how can I play that? And it took me, my first real punk band was in college and then probably by the end of college, I had it down where I could play the really fast beat. And so, but then in college, I really dove in and I had a buddy, Josh Dean, who we played this band together and he exposed me to all these bands, Lagwagon, No Effect, Strung Out, um, Good Riddance, just Bad Religion, tons of bands that I didn't know about because I only knew the Christian ones. So he kind of showed me all the ones that were, that were the predecessors to them. So by the end of college, I was super into the punk thing and wanted to be on the Warped Tour. So, yeah, be able to move to Seattle and join Amber Pacific and play several years on the Warped Tour, like for me, that really was living the dream. Were your parents pretty strict on what you listened to growing up? Since you they were, kid? yeah, they were. We could only have Christian cassettes till like maybe I was in high school, and then I remember MC Hammer was the first. <laughs> and that, that had to be middle school. I don't know. I just remember that was the first cassette I bought at Walmart that I was allowed to buy that wasn't from the Christian <laughs> books. <laughs> I had that too. But still, That's good. <laughs> it was pretty strict until high school, and then by then they were just kind of like, "Well, make good decisions and think about what you listen to." and it wasn't like I was listening to a bunch of gangster rap or like, I don't know, black metal or anything like that. Most of the stuff was pretty clean that I was listening to. And then, and then to, you know, people always ask, are they supportive of what you do? And my parents really have been. I mean, they've come to see me on the Warp Tour. They've come to see me with country artists. They've come to see me with Scott. And they've always been really just proud that I'm out here trying to make a difference and encourage people and share my faith and just live, just be real out here on the road. And so, you know, they were never against me having tattoos or playing music that wasn't in the Christian world. And, and that's, to me, that's a huge thing to thank them for. And I think it really goes back to my parents. My dad was an atheist until he was 25. And so when he became a Christian, he really shifted his whole life around. But he was like, man, we, you're never going to reach people with your faith if you're so close to everybody. And you, you know, what we read in the Bible is Jesus said to be in the world and, not of the world. So you have to live a normal life and just be real with people. You can't just preach at them or try to tell them to do something like that just has never worked historically. So anyways, all that to say, they've been really supportive of me doing music. No, that was really well said, man. That's, that's really, really cool. When's this Thanks. tour in that you're on right now? Is it, how many shows you got left? Sunday. I've got two shows left and I want to say there were like 28 or 30 shows on this one. And, we had five days off, and then we're on the one before that with Buck Cherry and Skid Row. So I've been gone essentially for two months, just about straight, which is a really long time. So you're ready to go home. 
<laughs> I am ready. How do you I'm like these guys are great and we get along. It's not even that. It's just yeah, you just like I have a family and I want to be home. <laughs> when you're on the road, do you just eat garbage like or do you you have some kind of yeah. diet? Like that must be difficult, it's, right? Yeah. I'm so bad about it too. And I'm the like one guy who works out consistently and everybody says, Why don't you eat better? You you take all this time to lift weights, <laughs> why wouldn't you? And I just can't do it. I'm really bad about Diet Coke is like my biggest addiction, but I went to Waffle House last night at like 1 a.m. And I really try not to eat fast food all the time. I used to just eat McDonald's like three times a day. And I could do it in my 20s and early 30s. But now that I'm 42, like I just, I just, I try, but it's just not easy for me. That's like my biggest struggle is trying to eat healthy. Because there's guys that do it and they're vegan or they're like whatever, eat super clean on the road. But you have to be so intentional. It's hard to get stuff unless you're preparing food and carrying it with you like, there's never food available when you want it and it's not healthy. And, you know, I try to eat Chipotle a lot. That's about the healthiest clean thing relatively, you know, I yep. never feel guilty about Chipotle. Chick-fil-A is the Lord. Chickens. So yes. I'll eat Chick-fil-A any day and feel good about it. <laughs> <laughs> so are you going to play any more shows with Scott Staff? I, I know like I always hear these rumors about Creed coming back and everything. Is that? Yeah. That happened. Which soon? is actually, you know, it is. And everybody's like, are you guys really bummed about that? And I'm like, no, it's great for Scott. I've been with him so long now that we knew the Creed reunion was inevitable and they're getting together. I want to say April is when they have these cruises scheduled for that. They just announced the last couple of months. So, I mean, I'm excited for him in that regard. We have a show in November. We have three in December. So, I mean, I'm still, we'll have dates with Scott. We've got some in January. And then Scott has a new record come out in March. He just announced that I actually got to play on. And I'm really excited about that because in the nine years, this is the first one I'll have played on or any of this band will have played on. So that would be cool. And I think the Creed reunion is going to be good for his solo stuff. And I think it'll be good for Alter Bridge, the other guy's band. And I think it'll be good for Tremonti's band because just the hype of Creed is going to make all the, it's going to trickle down, I think, to all the other gigs. So yeah, high tide all raises all ships. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know next year what will happen. I mean, I think we'll probably tour with Scott at some point. If he's putting out the record, I'm sure in the first three, four, five months of the year, we'll probably have a tour, and then he'll go do the Creed stuff. That's my guess. I don't know what will happen for sure. But um, but thankfully, I mean, I have other work, and I'm hoping Kurt will be working during that time when Creed's out. And if not, I'll be in Nashville teaching and seeing the family. And, and you know, whatever, whatever else comes up, I mean, Last year, I filled in with David Cook, the American Idol guy, or not oh. last year, but this year, I guess it's still 23. And I filled in with several kinds of people, so like, I love that stuff too when it comes up, if I can go out and play a weekend or, you know, 10 shows with somebody, so I just try to keep working, so that's why I used to stress it, like, what if my gig ends, and then I just say, you know what, it doesn't matter, but you've done it long enough, there's always going to be work, so yeah. you can't lose sleep over it, and you have to support people, and, you know, Scott's been great, so I hope, I hope Creed does super well. Yeah, man, this is really, really cool, man. Uh, Dango, thank you for being on the show, man. Yeah. You're very cool, man. You got so much. It. You're motivating me. I got to do more. <laughs> no, man, thank you for having me so much. I appreciate it. How long have you done this? Well, it's coming up, uh, that's a good question. On In January, it'll be seven years. So <laughs> time wow, flies by. Yeah, so I have a lot of people that come to the house, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing that in January again. Um, but And then I do the Zoom. Where do you, Where do you live? I live uh, about 45 minutes north of Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Yeah. So I live on Lake Lanier. Right. I live on a lake. So. Awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah, if you're ever in town, man, we'll meet up or come over anytime you want, man. 
Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, I'm in Nashville, so not crazy far from me. I have to thank Dane and Josh, too, because they hooked me up with you, man. They they had you on their sports show. Right. Yeah, so that was cool. You know, gotta give a shout out to them. Absolutely. Yeah, man. They were great. But yeah, yeah. Um go ahead, was there? I no, no, I was just gonna tell you thank you again for, for being on the show and, and definitely I'd love to hang out sometime in the future, man. Maybe you can teach me I some would, drums. <laughs> I would love to. Let's do it sometime. Get together and jam. Oh, and a shout out to my dog, Mr. Brown, making an appearance today on That's the- your dog? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that is awesome. Your dog's with you everywhere you go. You should get that tattooed on your head. You know, <laughs> you know I've really thought about not on my head, but about getting a tattoo from when he passes away or something. Okay, yeah, yeah, somewhere you can see it. You know, you, you right. get like a tramp stamp. You know, of, of the dog. You know, <laughs> perfect. All right, man, I appreciate uh, being on the show, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for your time and thanks for including me in all this. Yeah, I hope you have a good show tonight. Good all right, luck. we'll talk to you later. All right, see you, brother. Bye.